Together here, we lift our hearts in grateful reverence. We join our voices in hymns and affirmations, readings and prayers. Here we pause to acknowledge the wonder of our common source. God, who we call by many names and that we each approach in our own way. Humbled by all that we cannot know or begin to comprehend. Today we celebrate story and language and art through which we strive to create life and life-enhancing shared experiences. Our chalice lighters this morning are Eric and Sam first. We gather this hour as people of faith with joys and sorrows, gifts and needs. We light this beacon of hope, sign of our quest for truth and meaning, in celebration of the life we share together. And I'd like you to... Make a circle right down around here. We're not going to sit up on the stage today, the rest of us, just because we don't want to knock over whatever they've got going here. <laughs> Come on down, Leilani. Zoe. It's Father's Day today. And so I wanted to tell you a story that's been told for a long time. It happened a long time ago in, in some part of Eastern Europe. And there was a wise Jewish man, and he had a daughter. And his daughter loved him very much, and he loved her very much. And she had a good life as a child. And when she grew up, she got married, and she had children of her own, and she was living in her own house. Oh, it's just a table. <laughs> this, and this woman had her children of her own, and she had a happy house. And life was good, but she went to her dad one day, and her father said, Honey, what's troubling you? And she said, You know, my life is good. We have a nice little farm, a few animals. Our life is good, but you know, Dad, I would really like to have a bigger house and a quieter house. My house is so small. You know, we have three kids now, and we're all kind of kind of bumping into each other in our house. And our house is so noisy. There are people all over the place all the time. There's the children. There's their friends. Everything is going on. I just, if it were just a little bit bigger and just a little bit quieter, that's, that's really all I want. And her father thought about it, and he says, I think I have a suggestion. He says, go home. Go out to the barn. Get the donkey, the chicken, and the cow, and bring them in the house. She said, what? He said, trust me, it'll work. Get the donkey, get the chicken, get the cow, bring them from the barn into the house. 
She said, for how long? He says, I just let them live there a little while. You know, take them out if they need a break, but bring them back in. They're going to live in the house now. And trust me, your wish will come true. And she thought about it, and she said, well, but she'd always trusted her father. He, after all, was a very wise man. She said, oh, okay. So she went home. She went out to the barn. She got the donkey. She got the chicken. She got the cow. She brought them back into the house. But all of a sudden, everybody's talking. The children are talking. The adults are talking. What's the donkey doing? What kind of sound does the donkey make? Hee-haw. Can you do that with me? Hee-haw. 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 So we've got the donkey. What kind of sound is the chicken making? Very good. Very good. So let's hear my donkeys. And let's hear the chickens. Donkeys, keep going. Let's hear the chickens. Come on, chickens. You guys can help too. And then here's the cow. So all at the same time, there there was the donkey. There's the chicken. There's the cow. And then there are the people, jabber, 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 jabber. So her father comes by to visit. She runs outside says, Papa, I don't understand. This is not making the house bigger. This is not getting me a bigger house. This is not getting me a quieter house. What is going on? Why did you tell me to bring the donkey, the cow, and the chicken inside? He said, Daughter, go back in. Get the donkey, the cow, and the chicken. Take them back outside to the barn. So she went back into the house, and in the inside, what, it was still very noisy, right? Cow, chicken, donkey, people, jabber, 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 jabber. So she took the cow back outside, and the barn's a little way, ways away from the house, so we don't hear the cow anymore. And she took the chicken outside, and she took the donkey outside. He was a little stubborn. He was a little stubborn going out the door, right? Yaw, yaw. She took all the animals out to the barn. And she said, wow, the house seems suddenly bigger now. And it certainly is quieter now. And her dad said, you see, you were always fine with what you had. How many of you have had your dads tell you you're fine with what you have? Right? Want the new shoes? What's wrong with those shoes? So sometimes... Often, that is very, very wise advice, and we were just fine with what we had. And that is a good thing to remember on this Father's Day. And we are going to now go and make a huge sandwich for your dads and everybody. All right? This prayer comes from India. Thou art the path. And the goal that paths never reach. Thou feedest and sustainest all that one sees or seems. Thou art the trembling grass and the tiger that creeps under it. Thou art the light and sun and moon. The sounds fading into silence and the sanctity of sacred books. 
Thou art the good which replaces evil. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's a passage from the Christian New Testament, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. And I mention it because today we're considering some myths, and the word myth means word. It comes from mythos, and it means word and also story. The particular myths that we will look at this morning are myths about fathers from different points in the past. And we'll stop by the present with an eye for, on the future. In academic fields of mythology, mythography, and folkloristics, use of the term myth does not imply that the narrative is either true or false. Myths are often said to take place before recorded history, before history begins. A myth is a sacred narrative in the sense that it contributes to systems of thoughts and values. Many contain elements that have basis in historical fact. Stories that varied with their repeated telling. Actual heroes who become superheroes over time. And others present anthropomorphic images that help us establish our relationship with the unknown. There are numerous myths about fatherhood in Mediterranean cultures that explain the origins of existence during the birthing of Western civilization. For example, Rome was built in a day, mythically speaking, when Romulus and Remus were fathered by the Roman god Mars. Quoting author and Jungian analyst James Hollis, In the foundation myths of all peoples, we see attempts to humanize natural phenomena as a way of standing in human relationship to the mysteries. Since the beginning, these symbols have helped to establish a bridge between human sensibility and those experiences that lie beyond our cognitive powers. Metaphor helps mediate the awesome and the awful. Myth bridges from the unknown to the knower. Our respect is for the mystery, not for the bridge. The opening enactment, which was made up of scenes from both the Hebrew Testament and the Christian Testament, represents the great round or eternal return, the cycle of sacrifice, the life, death, and rebirth dialectic. Historically, the cycle of sacrifice, the cycle of life, death, and rebirth, and the eternal return were associated with myths of the great mother, the goddess 
the earth, and with the feminine. But both genders participate in that cycle. And here we see in both instances a father and son story. Abraham, who is said to be both the father of Jews and Muslims, prepares to sacrifice his son Isaac. At the last minute, Yahweh spares him from killing his son with the blessing of a goat. The cycle is completed when the goat is sacrificed and Isaac and Abraham have a new lease on life. The story is ethically challenging, to say the least. I don't know what lessons are taught about the story of Abraham and Isaac in Talmudic tradition. But in traditional Christian context, that story is used to extol the virtues of trust, of faith, and of willingness to give God anything that one is asked to give. Anno Domini, the myth takes a more symbolic appearance as God begins to be identified as a father, which was not the case prior to the life of Jesus and the writings about Jesus, at least in the in the Middle East and the Western traditions. People did not refer to deity in terms of fatherhood. Here, the sheep are blessed, the human sheep are blessed by the blood of the lamb sacrifice of God, the Father's Son, Jesus. Though the cycle is carried out with no proxies and no surrogates, God's Son also survives. Just a side point. Um, traditions say that both Isaac and Jesus were probably right around 30 at the time of the sacrifices. Isaac was not a child. The the Talmud uh, specialists, the people that study it and know it, say that he was between 25 and 27. And Jesus is reported to have been between 30 and 33. So they were not children. They were not youth. These were men, but they were sons in these stories. This, the story of Jesus is uh, crucifixion and the saving of those who are uh, living in error is a story used to demonstrate the reciprocal of Abraham's story, that God was also willing to make sacrifices in return. This shifted cultural understanding of deity from that of a vengeful, wrathful, and violent being to one who is loving, rational, wise, and understanding. In both myths, there is blood sacrifice. 
a tradition and practice that Jews have only suspended until such time as the appropriate place to make sacrifices is restored, meaning the temple in Jerusalem. I didn't know that. The origins of blood sacrifice are lost in the mist of prehistory. But just like prayer, sacrifice was considered a form of communication with deity. The word sacrifice itself means to make holy. What does it mean when we make sacrifices? While no one explanation can adequately disclose the origins of blood sacrifice in societies, one thought is that it may have served the purpose of generating male bonding on collective hunts with ancient man. This improved cooperation and also the likelihood of success for the hunt And that would, of course, reinforce the myth that sacrifices pleased the gods. Not all quests of heroes' journeys are successful. And the movement from innocence to experience, from naivete to wisdom, from identification to individuation, some are lost, even in myth. The quest was historically associated with the Sky Father. Though, again, both genders are obliged to undertake the journey towards selfhood, the extended version of this myth of Daedalus and Icarus incorporates all kinds of exciting elements, a half-man, half-bull minotaur, a princess, a jealous king, a a victim of circumstances, good guy, inventor extraordinaire, a labyrinth, an impetuous youth, flying, the ocean, anticipation, and tragedy. Father Daedalus tries to save his son, yet, alas, he cannot save him from himself. The moral being, no matter what instruction we do or do not get from parental type influences, ultimately, we make our own way. For no one can save us from ourselves but ourselves. We receive guidance, but we are not compelled by anything or anyone else. And here we move into the archetype of the spiritual father. As the great mother pertains to nature, matter, and the earth, the great father archetype pertains to the realm of light and spirit. It is the personification of the masculine principle of consciousness, symbolized by the upper solar region of heaven. From this region comes the wind, Numa, Nus, Ruach, which has always been the symbol of spirit as opposed to matter. Sun and rain likewise represent the masculine principle of fertilizing forces. 
all of the imagery we have as a culture traditionally associated with God. The heavens, light, illumination, wind, and inspiration are rooted in the Sky Father. The earliest earliest known reference is uh, to the concept of Sky Father can be found in the Rig Veda from the Hindu tradition, which dates back to 1700 BCE. It is believed that worship of the Sky Father, or if you prefer, a Heavenly Father, was characteristic of nomadic people, and that the worship of the Earth Mother similarly similarly characterized farming peoples. According to this body of doctrine, nomads militarily overran farming societies and replaced goddesses with male gods. During the process, it was believed that the invaders devalued the status of women and replaced a matriarchy with a patriarchy. The the religious changes were imagined to reflect this change in the status of the sexes. Most archaeologists and anthropologists will have some debate on these very broad, sweeping generalizations, and other people will argue for their factuality. But in the more progressive cultures, again, the overpowering militaristic approach met with modification and softening in attempts to preserve order and to remain effective. In our modern myths slash stories, fatherhood has seen some drastic reframing, with examples ranging from Mr. Anderson and Father Knows Best to Homer, the father in The Simpsons. There's another definition of myth, which is that of something being false. Inaccurate information and myths about fatherhood abound replete with tales of limitations that are not true. As modern fathers have been absent for work where they were not allowed time off for family and war from which sometimes they return still absent, there has come to be an absence of positive father myths. These days, as roles are redefined to acknowledge our mutual capacities for flexibility, and adaptation, and as the stereotypes that say men cannot be effective nurturers are laid to rest, we will no doubt need to generate new concepts of fatherhood that are less exclusive. But we have an even greater need for regenerating and reawakening myth and the depth of living that we once articulated through myth and metaphor. The awareness that there is a depth dimension to all that we experience enlarges our vision, relocates us in a timeless zone. The capacity to stand in relationship to something deeper than our consciousness, to something longer than our lifespan, is to feel the worth and weight of the soul.